Welcome to Gateway Church Wirral Online. We're so delighted that you're with us this morning. So great that you can be a part of our live streamed gathering. Just to welcome you to this space and what we're all about. Um, to say that we as a church, we're all about seeing people meet with God, encounter him for all his goodness and his grace and for lives to be changed by him. As a church, we want to see a world transformed, made better and better through every life transformed by the grace of God. So our hope and our prayer for you today, meet with Jesus in the things that we're saying, in the things that we're singing, in the way that we're opening up the word of God, which is alive for us today. We want you to know Jesus, know that he loves you, know that he has a plan for your life. And as we're going through our gathering this morning, do please connect with us here in this live stream space. You can fill in our connection card. The tab, I think, is at the top of your screen. Request prayer if you'd like to. There are great, friendly people who would love to pray with you. And do just connect with us in any and every way that you'd love to. As a church, we gather. That's what we're about today. When we come to the close of our gathering, I'll tell you how you can connect with us going forward into the week. So have a really great time. Be blessed. Enjoy yourself and enjoy Jesus, we pray. Morning, Gateway Church. It's lovely to see you here and to know you're with us um, online as well. Can I invite you to stand, uh, whether you're here in the building or at home? Let's stand together. Today is what we term Palm Sunday, and it's a day that opens up uh, this holy, holiest of weeks in the Christian calendar, this time that we consider how it is that Jesus set his face like flint. He journeyed toward the cross for our sake. He journeyed through death to resurrected life. And so we each can know what it is for sin and death to die and to know that we can come to new life in Jesus. This is the time of times. And so today we're going to celebrate God's goodness. That word that you saw um, in that little video opener, Hosanna, it's a, it's a word of praise. It recognizes that God is the King, He is the Lord, and it means come save us. Lord, come save us. And this is our heart's cry today. We're welcoming Jesus. We're recognizing that everything we need, everything we want, everything we could possibly hope for is in Him. And so today we're going to pray, we're going to open the word of God, we're going to know that he's going to speak to us. In him we're going to find both our comfort and our commission, and right now we're going to praise God. Are you ready to praise God? Um, here in the building, I know we're not yet ready to sing, although we have some plans for Easter weekend. I hope you've got the message. We're waiting on an announcement, but we think we're going to be permitted to do some outdoor singing. So uh, pray for good weather um, when Easter comes. But today we're going to let the band leaders in some songs of celebration at home. Uh, you need to take the slack, sing as loud as you possibly can, and let's rejoice in God's goodness. Everybody ready to rejoice in God's goodness? Amen, amen. Thank you. You know what it is to raise a hallelujah? It's to praise God. It's to praise God in every and all circumstance. And that's what we're going to come to do right now as a church here and at home. Ordinarily, you'd be expecting Grace or Karen to be bringing a family spot. Now, Grace, she's at home. Um, she's coughing. And although it's just a cold, um, she's got to stay at home. So um, there's no family spot this morning. My apologies. She says, um, don't worry. She's going to eat all the marshmallows at home so they won't go to waste. She was going to do something with marshmallows, but she's going to eat them. Um, kids, maybe you want to get your parents to text Grace and say, I want a marshmallow. Can we get Grace a lot of messages? Um, just say, I want a marshmallow. Get t texting. But here in the building and at home, what we're going to do 
um, instead is we're going to begin um, into a time of, of praying. You know, it's right that we should begin our gathering this morning singing of that happy day, isn't it? That Jesus is alive. You know, it's the greatest day in our lives when we meet with Jesus and he turns everything around. And it's right that we should then sing this morning, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Yeah? And even if we've not been singing in the building, I know you're going to be singing it when you go home. You're going to be singing in the car, aren't you? And, and then wherever we are, what we're doing is we're raising a hallelujah in the middle of the storm. You know, we live in in-between places all the time, don't we? And we know that Jesus is victorious. Anybody know that Jesus is victorious? And we know that Jesus is in control, and yet we still face troubles, don't we? And we still find ourselves up against it sometimes. And sometimes we're praying and we're longing and we're dreaming and it seems like it's taking forever. Yeah? This morning we're going to spend a bit of time thinking in a little while about Easter Saturday. Have you ever thought about it? It's an in-between kind of a place. And the victory is won. You know, it is finished, Jesus said on the cross, and yet he's still to rise again. And, you know, all the time we find ourselves in these places of waiting right now. And we know that the situation is improving all around us, and yet we're wearing masks and socially distancing. We can't sing here, and we're waiting and longing and dreaming and hoping. And there might come within us then something of a cry. You know, it's biblical to lament, to say, God, I know that you're good, and I know that your purposes are good, but here in the in-between time, there is a lot that is not good. And God, I, I do want to cry about it, but I also want to, to, to pray and, and to speak this reality. The king is coming. He is alive, and he will make all things new. You know, the, the guys at the back, if you wouldn't mind, we're going to be showing a video now. And it, what we're doing really this morning is we want to just craft a space for us to pray and to long. And if you want to lament the fact that things aren't as they should be and long for the fullness of the kingdom of God, that's what this space is for. So look, if you want to sit, if you want to stand, if you want to kneel, however it is. But look, this is not a passive time. Whether you're in the building, whether you're at home, this is not passive, sit back, just enjoy. This is the time when we say, God, here is my longing. Here is my lament. Here are the sorrows that I am facing. And Jesus, I believe that you are the answer for it all. You know, if you're online at home and you're... Uh, wanting to pray and share your prayers just pop things in the chat and, and the church will be praying with you the things of your longing the things of your need here in the building come on I'm going to just well I, I'm not going to be quiet I'm going to pray and my hope and my prayer is that we would all do exactly this let us pray in these in-between places let us pray in these times of longing let us pray when we're faced with sadness and loss and grief and turmoil and say Jesus we raise a hallelujah. We raise a hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Jesus.
Can I invite us again to come and stand together? And maybe you're not used to this uh, possibility of communing and communicating with your God in this way. But can I invite you to do just this simple thing? Can we just raise a hallelujah? And even if it's just that word, and it might be the first time you've ever said it, but we're praising the Lord. We're saying you are God. You are in control. You are good. So church in the building here, come on, let's lift our voices. We'll say hallelujah at home. Why don't you say your hallelujahs to Jesus? Over every circumstance, you lay it at the feet of Jesus. We cast our burdens on him, for he cares for us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh God, you are good. God, you are good. God, you are good. God, you are good. Yes, Lord Jesus, we worship you. Merciful and mighty. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to pray over us now. It's a a short prayer. It comes um, from the African-American spiritual tradition. And it's entitled, Fix Me, Jesus. Oh, yes. Fix me, Jesus. Fix me. Fix me so that I can walk on a little while longer. Fix me so that I can pray on just a little bit harder. Fix me so that I can sing on just a little bit louder. Fix me so that I can go on despite the pain, the fear, the doubt, and yes, the anger. I ask not that you take this cross from me, only that you give me the strength to continue carrying it onward until my dying day. Oh, fix me, Jesus. Fix me. Jesus, oh God, this is the prayer. I I do believe of everyone who who recognizes both uh, these momentary sorrows and griefs as painful and, uh, and, and, and difficult as they are, but also those who recognize the eternal weight of glory that is to come. Jesus, we are here in these in-between places and we raise our hallelujahs. Jesus, we are here. Oftentimes it feels as though we're lingering between Good Friday and, and, and Resurrection Sunday. We know you are alive. And we know that we are alive in you. And yet there is so much that would seek to to rob us of something of that life. No, and we say no, and we say no. Lord Jesus Christ, in these in-between places, we know the fullness of life, even as we grieve. We know the fullness of life, even as we sorrow. We know the fullness of life, even as we struggle. And Jesus Christ, we're asking that you would renew within us this resurrection life. And Lord Jesus Christ, let us be people who are not afraid.
who are not afraid of the brokenness, not afraid to be in places of brokenness, to speak with those who are experiencing brokenness. And Lord Jesus, let us not be afraid even to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus, we would be people who carry our cross. Jesus, we would be people who walk in the way of the cross even as we are people who live in the fullness of the life you have won for us. Jesus, we say we are not afraid because you are with us and your perfect love casts out all fear. God, we walk in your way. From death always to life. Jesus, we walk in your way. Amen and amen. amen. We're going to sing another song before we come into the word of God together. We just want to continue to pour out our hallelujahs, our longing for the coming of the King, our longing for the fullness of Jesus, here as it is in heaven. Amen. Oh God, this is the testimony of an empty tomb, Lord Jesus, and the testimony of lives made new, Lord God. Your endless love works miracles. Lord Jesus, your grace is given so freely, and God, so gladly we receive. Amen. 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 You're more than welcome to grab a seat here or at home, and we're going to dive into God's word to us. Um, we have been, these past few weeks, um, considering uh, some thinking around prayer and mission under the title Pray and Go. And, and what we're seeking to do is to um, uh, perhaps correct some faulty thinking within us that says that prayer is one thing and doing is another thing. No, in fact, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. In fact, they are one and the same thing. To pray is to do. To pray is to go. To pray is to share the love of Jesus Christ. And so we're wanting to be people both of prayer and then seeing actually the, the fulfillment, the fruit of our prayers through our ways of living and going and doing and serving and giving and speaking. And so we've considered uh, the missional prayer of God and how it is that he has uh, spoken through all of uh, creation, all of history and, and spoken through all of his word to us. And then how it is that as the Father sent the Son, Jesus, so Jesus sends us. And so there's a missional prayer of the church. There's a heartbeat of the church to share his goodness and his grace and the gospel. And today, you know, as we've reflected on a little already, uh, we're going to conclude our thinking um, under the heading of, but what if, or maybe when, it all goes wrong? Because as Christians, what we want to do is recognize that we are in the world. You know, Jesus, when he prayed for it, he said, Father, I don't want you to take them out. Rather, that you protect them, that you'd empower them, that you'd enable them, that you would send them. We are in the world, but we recognize in this world we will have trouble. And so then what, what do we do? Well, we're going to see how it is that, as John 16, 33 tells us from the lips of Jesus, we can take heart for he has overcome the world. In our house, um, we've been having a bit of trouble with our shower. Um, and it's been going on for quite a while. And um, it all began, we think, uh, when we've got one of those, you know those fancy kind of drains that look all sleek and neat and they're all chrome on the top and they catch, um, you know, hair. You probably don't want to know that, but uh, they do what they do and it all looks fancy. But woe betide anybody who accidentally kind of steps on it 
Um, because then all manner of disaster will happen beneath the surface. And we think that's kind of how it began. And, and so the, the kind of the seal was broken, um, like the plastic seal, not the, not that one. Um, but, you know, the seal was broken. And then we had to take it all apart and put all the, you know, the sealant back in and, and screw it back in. And we were fine. Um, but then it happened again. And so I did it again. And, and we were fine. And it happened again. And I thought, maybe it's not the sealant that there's a problem. Maybe it's the who's applying the sealant who is the problem. Uh, you have to be honest. And so a plumber came and did it, and everything seemed absolutely great. But then a, a bit more water started to appear on the ceiling underneath, and that's when you know things have gone really badly wrong, isn't it? And, and so just recently we had a plumber come out, and, um, and we described our woes, and he commiserated with us. Um, and he didn't do any of that... Because then you know it's going to be expensive, don't you? He didn't do any of that. But he said, you know what? I'm going to have to do, just to make sure we know what's going on, is we're going to have to actually cut out from beneath in the ceiling. You were going to have to probably fix it anyway. So let's cut it out. And so he cuts out this big hole in the ceiling, uh, which has provided endless conversation pieces for our kids recently. And, um, and he replaced everything underneath. You know, not just kind of the, you know, the, the, the drain, but also the pipework and everything. And, and all was well in the Epton household. And we praised God with renewed fervor uh, because our shower was back. And we had a week of, of happy showers, not constantly, just, you know, one a day. But we had a week of happy showers. And, um, and then yesterday, and it's not, I, I'm, I'm not going to blame Erin, but she happened to have just finished her shower. And, um, and then we, downstairs, drip, drip, drip. And so it, it turns out it's probably got nothing to do with anything that's been fixed. And there's something else going on. Isn't it terrible when things go wrong? And you've done everything that you think you should do to make it right, but things go wrong anyway. Yeah? I was reading this week about AstraZeneca, you know, the, the makers of one of the vaccines that are extensively used here. And literally tens of millions of doses have been helping people around the world and saving lives. Well, you know, it turns out AstraZeneca, they don't normally make vaccines. That's not part of their normal remit. Um, but the, the Oxford um, group who were developing it, they reached out to them. And, and the, basic, the, the, the guy who leads AstraZeneca and the, the leadership team there, they said, look, we can't not do this. It's the right thing to do. And so they, got, they dove in and they started to help to develop the vaccine. Um, and uh, and they, they also decided, let's make it not for profit um, so that it will be the most affordable option globally where people perhaps in countries where they can't afford these kinds of things, they'll be able to get it. And, um, and you think all of that would make this company basically the most beloved company in the world, wouldn't you? And yet... <laughs> Governments everywhere have been casting aspersions about their data and about their motives and about their methodologies and saying, oh, well, you can't use it in old people because it's not good for them. Uh, and then when they have some other you know, wobbles in the other direction, now they're saying, oh, you can only use it in old people. Um, I, I'm not sure they know what they're talking about. And, 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 and saying, oh, you've been stockpiling some in Italy, when actually what they've been making in Italy is doses to go out to poorer nations around the world. And, uh, and all of this has been happening. Look, if they'd have chosen um, to make a profit from it, I'm not going to name them, but two of the other leading vaccine companies in the world are scheduled to make, on the one part, $15 billion of revenue, and on the other, $18.4 billion of revenue. And yet AstraZeneca, their stock market valuation since last summer, has slumped by £27 billion, because of everyone sniping. Isn't it terrible when you seem to be doing everything right, 
and then it goes wrong. It's horrible, isn't it? And then how about in your life or my life where, you know, you're praying, you're reading the word of God, you're giving to the church, you're trying to serve one another, you're sharing the love of Jesus, you're being kind and, you know, trying to show forth the fruit of the Spirit at work in your life and, and then things go wrong and, and you get sick or, or you hit a brick wall or you lose your job or isn't it terrible when things go wrong? And we look globally at a broken world full of difficulty and distress. A world, the Bible says, is broken, is groaning, longing for Jesus to come and make all things new. We've looked at the missional prayer of God for his creation to flourish, for his people to be rescued, to be made new. We've looked carefully at God, even looking at God upon a cross. Because to look at God, really look at God, is to love God. You know, when you really look at Jesus, you can't help but love him. And then we've considered that as the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus has sent us. He's sending us. There's a missional prayer for us to engage with. You know, last week we finished considering a few things. There was a, that, that World War II poster, um, and, and with the words of Spurgeon, and in that poster it, it instructed people in times of crisis, forget yourself in helping your neighbors. In days of tension, this casts out your own fears and worries. And there's wisdom there, isn't there? And then, and then we consider how it is that we go about that in prayer. And, and the words of Spurgeon ring in our ears and move as I pray, saying, he who prays without fervency doesn't really pray at all. How it is that we ought to give ourselves fully and freely and, and fervently in prayer and in service and in the mission of God. Being people who are one in God's heart and will. One with another. This is how we should be sent as the Father sent the Son. How we pray and go. How we live his heart. And today my fervent, my passionate prayer is that we would each and all fall in love with Jesus. And that we each and all would desire more than anything that our lives would help others know Jesus and fall in love with him. You know, that is the whole ball game, that we be disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. We follow him and help others to follow Jesus. That is life in all its fullness, to be close to him and to help others draw near to God. And can I fast forward us just a little bit? Here we are, Palm Sunday, you know, a day of the triumphal entry of Jesus, albeit one that was full of quirks and differences and strangenesses that uh, kind of passed unremarked upon. This Jesus, the Lord of all, the King of the Jews, indeed of all the nations, comes in on a donkey, <laughs> a young donkey. And he comes to a crowd who shout, Hosanna. But truth be told, they don't really know how he's going to save them. And we're moving from this day through all of the events of, of the week. And, you know, if you're, if you're online, um, day by day through this week on our Facebook channel, uh, page and our YouTube channel, there's going to be some videos that help you to walk through Holy Week and understand it better. And as we journey through the week, we know where we're heading, don't we? We're heading toward Good Friday, the day when Jesus gave it all for us. 
And then, of course, we know, as we've already begun to celebrate, because we're Pentecostals and we can't help ourselves, you have to celebrate Easter every day, don't you? You know, you just kind of want to get there, don't you? And we've already begun to sing and to, and to speak of the resurrection. But then there's something in between, isn't there? You've probably not thought about it. You've probably thought about Easter Sunday. You've thought about Easter eggs for the kids, maybe hunting them somewhere. Maybe making it too hard for the kids to find them all so that someone can find some later. Um, maybe you thought a little bit about Good Friday. You know, maybe you've thought about um, what Jesus gave you. You've meditated upon these things. You know, maybe you even think a little bit about Maundy Thursday, that day of service and of sacrifice, of preparation, of Jesus giving himself and yet receiving betrayal. Maybe you thought a little bit about the food. Anybody having a bit of lamb on Easter Sunday? Nah. I, did, I did Google this a little, and I'm, I'm, I, from what I Googled, I understand that in certain parts of the world, Philippines, lechon, is that, is that how you say it? Roast suckling pig? I think they're onto something in the Philippines. That's what I want to say. Lumpia, you know, the spring rolls, is that right? Okay, um, uh, this is good. So I, I did have a bit of a look, because I know we have lots of Nigerians in the church. I couldn't find out exactly what was traditional um, in Nigeria, except that it just had a list of every single Nigerian food you can imagine. And I was like, <laughs> there's nothing specific. It's just let's eat it all. Um, that seems to be the way, um, which I, I can really identify with. I love that. Um, and we think about these kinds of things, don't we? But Easter Saturday, what is there to think about? It seems to be a bit of a day of, of nothingness. You know, does anything happen? Roman Catholics and many Anglicans, you know, with their, their altars and their formality within their churches, actually on Easter Saturday, what they tend to do is they strip the altar bare. And where once there maybe was a cross and candlesticks and different liturgical colors and so on, they, they just get rid of it all. It's a day where there really is a strong sense of nothingness, of being in between, of being bare and have nothing to say. Pete Gregg observes, I guess it's the one day in the entire year when the church has nothing to say. It's strange, isn't it, to have nothing to say? You know, we've been rightly spending our time considering how we pray and go, how we speak with God and we speak from God, we speak uh, to others about God. You know, when Jesus commissioned us into this in Matthew 28 and those concluding verses of the gospel, Jesus, he's kind of offering the marching orders to all his disciples and you and me, and, it, and it's really active. To be commissioned in the way of Jesus is not to say, oh, thank you very much, and then to sit back down. It's to get up and go and to do. There are so many verbs in that passage. Jesus says, go. And it implies crossing barriers, crossing boundaries, going and going and going again. And Jesus says, make, make disciples. Uh, you know, we recognize we're all a work in progress. We're all being made, aren't we, um, by the Holy Spirit. And, and we're all partnering with God to, to make, to, to be practically hands-on involved with one another. We're invited to baptize. 
And we're invited to, to, to know our entire identity gets changed as we're welcomed into the family of God, baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And if, if anybody listening hasn't yet been baptized, hey, I've, I've been working with another local church because they've got some who want to be baptized. And so we've figured it out. And they're going to baptize a few in our tank. And I'd love to baptize some people as well. So if you've not yet been baptized, then, then I'd love to help you be baptized. It's active, it's journeying, it's going. Teach, Jesus says. We teach faith in Christ. We teach how we grow, how we, how we know, how we show Jesus. And Jesus also says remember, which is not passive, it's active. You bring to remembrance that God is with us through it all. Our mission is an active one. It's doing and speaking and going, and, and that is good. And the Bible reminds us that faith in God comes when people get to hear the truth about him. So someone needs to tell them. You, me, we need to tell them. We're to pray and go, we're to pray and serve, we're to pray and speak, we're to pray and make disciples. But when trouble comes, and it will, for the work of making disciples of Jesus is a spiritual battle. You know, there are dark forces who will fight against people drawing close to Jesus. And they will fight against people following him truly. You know, when it all goes wrong, we'd better know how to wait the long dark of Easter Saturday. You know, there's a book called Between the Cross and Resurrection by Alan E. Lewis. I'm going to share it just from it briefly, but as I do, maybe the, the team would rejoin me to lead us again in worship. He's one of the few scholars who've done a lot of thought about this. And he was thinking over and over and over about Easter Saturday. And when he was writing this book, Between Cross and Resurrection, he personally discovered that he was dying of incurable cancer. And his meditations upon the death and the grave of Jesus took on a deeply personal dimension. Here is one of his prayers from that book. He prayed to God, hear our prayer for a world still living an Easter Saturday existence, oppressed and lonely, guilty of godlessness and convinced of God-forsakenness. Be still tomorrow, the God you are today, and yesterday, already were. God with us in the grave, but pulling thus the sting of death and promising in your final kingdom an even greater victory of abundant grace and life over the magnitude of sin and death. And for your blessed burial into which we were baptized, may you be glorified forevermore. Amen. Would you stand with me here, church, and at home? We're going to sing just briefly before we come again to consider how it is that we wait and long and then come again. And right now, I would that you would offer that waiting and longing again to Christ. And look, look again for his coming as we worship him. We're going to come to conclude our, our thinking this morning about how it is that we can continue to be people who pray and go 
even in a world where things go wrong, even with lives where we face all manner of troubles. And to remind you um, that as we uh, progress through the week towards Easter weekend, on Good Friday morning at 10.30, we'll have our communion service that morning, both here in person and online as well. On Easter Saturday in the evening, um, Favor is helping me and we're, we're crafting together an online-only evangelistic um, service that's going to be available via YouTube. And you'll get all the details of this, so it's something you can share with your friends. J. John, who many of you know, is giving a fantastic word. There's going to be some great other elements there, something great to share with people. And then on Easter Sunday, uh, we again have the opportunity to gather here in person and online at 10.30 for our Easter Sunday morning celebration. There's going to be gifts uh, for all uh, the, the children. Um, we're hoping to figure out how to do a walk-through barbecue afterwards. Not a roast suckling pig, I'm afraid. I, we can't, I can't do it. But uh, we're trying to do a, a walk-through barbecue afterwards. Um, obviously, we can't mix and mingle or form a crowd, but we want to bless you and we want to have a bit of fun so we'll do that afterwards and and bearing in mind there's going to hopefully be an announcement coming shortly we're going to conclude in a large open space near the church which shall remain nameless because I'm not going to ask um, but a very nearby space um, we're, we're going to we're going to be able to sing outdoors um, some resurrection songs um, that's the plan it's going to be great it's going to be fantastic um, Easter Sunday is going to be good and glorious I'm certain about it um, how do we get there? How do we get there? You know, in Luke 8, um, reading from verses 26 to 39, and there's similar stories in, 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 in uh, other Gospels, Matthew and Mark, um, there's a story of Jesus there meeting with and setting free a man who had been tormented by demons. And we're told in this passage, when Jesus had stepped out onto land because they traveled across the lake to find him there, uh, they, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time, and you can see how severe his case was, for a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. And we can see how this poor man um, was actually uh, tormented by these demons even in saying these things. It was a sorry state for him to be in. So tormented as to be living naked in a graveyard. You know, we're told in the story that he broke chains, literally, but he couldn't break the chains that were holding on to him spiritually. And yet Jesus, who is Lord of all, and who has compassion upon this man as he has compassion upon us all. He sends the demons packing into a herd of pigs. You know, read on, and you'll find the only recorded instance I'm aware of of pigs actually flying. Um, if you know the story, you know what that's about. Very sadly, locally, the price of pork went down. Um, there are many jokes you can make about this story, and all of them are very bad. Um, but here's the wonder of it all. When Jesus deals with this man's torment, here is what we are told. Then the people from the town surrounding area, they went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and they found the man from whom the demons had gone. So they don't stay when Jesus is there. 
This man, we're told, was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And, this is interesting, and the people who saw this, they were afraid. This is astounding. This is earth-shattering. This is life-changing. And they didn't know what to make of it. But the man, he knew what to make of it. He's in his right mind. He's clothed and at peace. Read on and you'll find that this man, he wants to come and, and travel with Jesus. Well, I mean, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> He'd set him free. But Jesus commissions this man. And he says, actually, stay. You're going to be someone who shares the good news. You're going to take it to your hometown. And the story tells us, he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. This is a good news story, isn't it? And he changed from desperation and agonies through the power of God displayed to peaceful rest at the feet of Jesus. Anybody want some peaceful rest at the feet of Jesus? Yeah, I think we could all have a piece of that. Peaceful rest at the feet of Jesus and onto the mission of God. In his right mind. Other translations render it as being of sober mind. And it's just that stillness, that peace, that rightness, that settledness of mind. And it's the same word that's used about this man set free from these demons as it's used about every single believer, if we are willing, in 1 Peter 4 and verse 7. And in 1 Peter 4 and verse 7, the Bible says, the end of all things is near. I know we probably want the end of some things, don't we? We give a loud amen to that. But the end of all things... Maybe this is a little bit of why when people see God's power displayed, they can be afraid. But the Bible says, the end of all things is near. It's another way of saying, Jesus is coming again. That was a good place for an amen. You may have masks on, but you can say amen. It's all right. I know they did at home. Um, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind. Be of your right mind so that you may pray. What if, what when it all goes wrong? What if we are tormented by things beyond our control? What if we can't get any rest in our bodies or circumstances or minds? What if the world is turned about upon its axis and and we don't know what's up or down anymore or how things are going to turn out? What if truly, as the scripture here says, the end of all things is near? Well then, it's at the feet of Jesus that we can be of sober mind, be in our right mind, be at peace. How are you placing yourself at the feet of Jesus? You know, God wants to move us from a frenzied mind about the troubles that we face to be in our right mind at peace at the feet of Jesus. He wants to move us from a place of uh, foggy-mindedness where we really don't know what we're doing or what we're about to a place of alertness where we can say, actually, I know who I am. I know what I'm about. I'm ready. I'm raring to go. God wants to move us to know that we have a mission from him. When we know that we can, can pray and go, And when it all seems to go wrong, we live with patience and eagerly anticipating. Eagerly anticipating for Jesus is coming again. 
He will make all things new. You know, the newness that each and every one of us have experienced in Jesus, whatever our story is, whatever our journey is, we're here because we've experienced something in the newness of God. We're, we're, we're encountering God in the Word even now, and, and, and we know that Jesus is coming again fully and completely. He's going to receive his loved ones to himself. So, so we pray and we go. We're, we're walking toward him even as we know he is coming toward us. We go as he's told us to. And this week, as we look upon the agonies of Christ, we recognize as we go to him, as he has come to us, as he is coming again, look, there is pain in praying. There's pain in going. There's pain in giving it all, which is what Jesus has done for us. But Jesus, the end of all things is near. He's coming again. The Bible tells us Jesus is gonna wipe away every tear. He's going to wipe away every pain and heartache and suffering. So take heart, have courage, pray and go. Look, if a man who once lived naked in a place of death can go in his right mind to bring words of life, so can you. So can you. So can you. We've changed everything about our usual manner of living in this season of COVID. We wear masks, we socially distance, we wash our hands 475 times a day, and we do all of these things that we know we have to, that are right as we respect and love one another and take good care of ourselves. We've changed everything because of this virus that has come upon us and the societal and economic challenges that follow. If the end of all things is near, if Jesus is coming again, then how much more so should we change everything about our lives? If we have been, I was going to say willing, I know some of us are perhaps not so willing, but if we've we've changed everything in the face of this challenge, then how much more so should we change everything in the face of coming glory? That Jesus is coming again. And going back to that great commission from Jesus, that that passage of activity. You know, if you read on from the commission that Jesus gave, you'll read that in response to the words and the person of Jesus, the disciples worshipped him. Look, sometimes when you don't really know how it's going to pan out and how it's going to go, just worship. (laughs) But some of them doubted. And we don't want to pretend that doubt is something we need to kind of sweep under the carpet, put on our good Christian mask and pretend it's all okay. Look, no, doubt is the place oftentimes where Jesus can help us to come again to embrace truth and faith. Be honest about your doubt before God. What were they doubting? Were they doubting Jesus? Probably not. Were they doubting the instructions? Well, actually, they were pretty clear. I suspect that they were probably doubting themselves. And I suspect that because I doubt myself. And I imagine you doubt yourself, don't you? I think we do. How do we get through doubt? We get through doubt with worship. And what does worship accomplish for us who doubt? Well, Jesus draws near. Jesus draws near. True worship compels you to make disciples, to take the words of Jesus seriously, to be about the Great Commission, to worship through doubt. God will use us. God will use our church to transform the world through transformed lives. Two stories, perhaps, for us to conclude with. 
And one comes to us from Romania, where a pastor there by the name of Joseph Tson suffered terribly during the time of the communists before the fall of the Iron Curtain. After one particularly cruel bout with an interrogator, he was very discouraged. Then the Lord met with him and gave him a new and a Christ-like perspective. The next week, the interrogation began again, but for him, everything was different. His interrogator stopped and said, Mr. Tson, who visited you this weekend? I have in front of me a different person than the one who left here. Somebody came and changed you completely. I have to know who came and visited you. The pastor replied, Jesus visited me and made me ready for the battle again. You feel like you're in the grave or in the fight or in the graveyard. You feel like mind, body, spirit and turmoil. Oh, for Jesus to visit us and make us ready for the battle again. And I read this week of a, a biography. It's simply titled Borden of Yale. I'd never heard of it before. I don't know whether you have. It tells of a man named William Borden, and he went, as the title suggests, to Yale University as an undergraduate, and afterwards he became a missionary candidate out to China. Uh, this is way, way back in the 1800s, early 1800s. And he was an heir, actually, to great wealth. His family owned a dairy estate, and, and they were incredibly wealthy. He was a millionaire by the time of his high school graduation. Yeah? All I got was dinner. I don't know. <laughs> he was a millionaire, and yet something really grabbed him in God. As a gift for his graduation from high school, Borden was sent on a trip around the world. As he traveled through Asia, the Middle East, and Europe, he experienced a growing concern for the hurting and lost of the world. He wrote home to say, I'm going to give my life to prepare for the mission field. And after making this decision, he wrote two words in the back of his Bible, no reserves. In the back of his Bible, no reserves. From there, he went on to Yale University, but with purpose and determination. During his first semester, he began a movement among the students that spread throughout the campus to gather and read the Bible and pray. By the end of his first year, 150 of his fellow first years were meeting for weekly Bible studies. By the time he was in his final year, 1,000 out of the total student population of 1,500 were joining together in these groups. Beyond the campus, Borden founded the Yale Hope Mission to reach out to those on the streets of New Haven. Yet all was in view of his sense of call to foreign missions that soon had a focus upon Muslims in China. After graduation, he was offered numerous high-paying jobs, all that he declined in order to pursue the mission field. At this point, he wrote down two more words in the back of his Bible, no retreats. 
Borden next went to graduate, graduate school at Princeton Seminary, where he was ordained to the ministry. After finishing his studies, he set sail for China through the China Inland Mission, stopping first in Egypt to study Arabic. While there, he contracted cerebrospinal meningitis. In less than a month, William Borden was dead. He was 26 years old. But before his death, knowing that the steps of his life would take him no further, he wrote two more words in his Bible. Beneath no reserves and no retreats, he wrote, no regrets. Uh, you might think and this world might say that a life cut short at the age of 26 for the sake of a cause that is not often well understood was a life lost, but this man didn't think so. No reserves, no retreats, no regrets. Would you stand with me? At home, perhaps you'd stand with us. And what we recognize is that if we are to live such a life of utter and total and complete devotion, whatever the cost, if we're to be sent even as the Father sent Jesus the Son to us. We need to meet with Jesus. Otherwise, the, the battle's too big for you. It's too big for me. It's too big for us. We need to meet Jesus in these in-between places. We need him to set us at our right mind. It's not a one-time thing. It's an all-the-time thing. We need him to enable us to be alert and sober-minded so that we may pray, so that we may pray and go and serve in lives that are of no reserve, everything given, no retreat, stepping forward into the things of God, no regret, no matter the cost. Your God is good, my God is good, and he is the good God who wants to bring his good grace to this world and make it good again. Jesus is coming. The end of all things is near. We need him. You need him. I need him. This world needs him. Would you lift your hands with me, lift your hearts, lift your voices wherever you are. Think upon your loved ones. Think upon your family, your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues, those that you study or work with. Think upon the needs and challenges and problems and obstacles that you face. Jesus is the answer for it all. He's coming again. But in this in-between time, he's sending you and he's sending me. He's saying, would you go? Would you be my herald? Would you tell this world that I am coming again? Though oftentimes you face the hardships and the difficulties and the hurts and the pains, I am with you, even to the end of the age, says our Savior. And Jesus, my heart's desire today is that we would be commissioned. And we recognize we're commissioned into an active gospel. God, if we've been inactive because of perhaps the privations or difficulties of this season, please forgive us. Renew us, send us again. It's an active commission you send us into. But Lord Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean that when we hit brick walls or find ourselves depleted or, or suffer, face the cost, count it, even the cost of everything. It doesn't mean that in those places we can't be still. We can't weep and mourn and grieve and pray and 
call out to you. Have mercy on us. Jesus, we know that if we are to pray and go, if we are to be about your mission, if we are to be sent as the Father sent you, so we also need to be in the Father's love even as you are in the Father's love. We need to be sat at your feet. We need for you to still us and renew us and set us free and clothe us and put us again into our right mind. Jesus, would you do this work within us? Oh God, we don't need to think hard before we think of someone who needs this work in our world, in our homes, in our streets. We don't need to think hard before we can see how it is that we're called to bring healing to brokenness. And so God, we pray, heal our brokenness and send us. Send us into the brokenness of this world. When it all goes wrong, we know, we know you. We know you are the answer, the hope for this world. So in your name we pray. And Jesus, in your name we go. Our lives are the answers to our prayers. Send us, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. We're going to conclude now with a a final song of worship and go into our day and our week. God bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. God be gracious to you. God lift up his glorious countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace. We're going to be with your transformed communities this week. We're going to come at the conclusion of the week. And, oh, Easter. <laughs> Isn't it good? <laughs> Let's celebrate. If you want to be baptized, get in touch with us. If you want to know more about following Jesus, get in touch with us. God bless you. Once again, it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning. And uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives, we can go and have wonderful weeks with him. Just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week. We as a church, we don't just gather, but we get going into what God has for us together. And we have these things called transform communities. We would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how they can be a part of his transforming work in the world. So again, hit us up, get in touch. We'd love to help you to connect. Anything that you need, any prayer requests, do let us know. And we'll love to see you again this time next week. God bless you and bye for now.